What's up? <laughs> What's up? What's up? That's how we're starting? That's how we're starting this one. Okay. You told me to start this one. I'm not good at starting them. <laughs> uh, well, Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. How are you? I'm great. Um, that's wonderful <laughs> to hear. Now, uh, I'm sure this is riveting audio for those who love Absolutely our podcast. Absolutely riveting. Should we start in a better way? No, no, that's fine. Then okay. They're, they're in now. This is what they signed up for. They're stuck. Yeah. This is the two friends chatting about whatever random thing comes into their heads podcast. Such an original podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't good... think anyone does that. No one else does that. No. It'd be a good title. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> It <laughs> might be. You know, someone might have trademarked that because there are a Possibly. few podcasts. There are a handful of people rambling about nothing podcasts. Despite the innovative territory that we're covering. Hey, you and I are teaching at a writing conference this year. We are on a boat. On a boat. On a boat. On a ship. I think it's big enough you call it a ship. That's right. But we always say boat. If you say boat, you're doing it to be amusing. Oh. Because it's not a boat. It's, it's a not ship. a boat. It's a mm-hmm. ship. Boat conjures the in the imagination. Us and some lucky... And like one person, one person on sitting. a survival raft yes. in the middle of the ocean. Is that an excursion you can take? Surrounded by sharks. I'm going to put you, you know, on a raft. <laughs> that is not, to my knowledge, an excursion that someone could sign up for. But if it were, somebody mm-hmm. would. Someone absolutely would. Yeah. Dan and Brandon, raft, sharks. All right, let's talk about writing. <laughs> Let's talk about which one of us gets eaten first. Well, I mean, I don't know. Was it would be it, me. Why Absolutely. would it be you? Because I'm delicious. Oh. <laughs> I mean... I'm well marbled. You would have to jump into the ocean first to get eaten first, because we're on a raft, right? Well, I'm not talking about eaten by sharks. I'm talking about oh. eaten by, like, how long are we going to be out there? I mean, it's the ocean. There's lots of fish. <laughs> It's okay. not like we're on the top of a mountain. Where there's very few fish, relatively speaking. Very few fish. <laughs> we are giving the best possible pitch for this writing conference that we're doing. This is the Writing Excuses Retreat. In fact, this is the 10th such retreat. It's yes. actually, yeah, the 10th year that we've done the retreats. Mm-hmm. And three were at Mary Robinette's Just two. Ancestral Home 2. Okay, the first two. two and then we've had thus far seven, well, only six cruises because 2020, for obvious reasons, mm. our writing retreat was purely digital. Yes. But so six on a boat, two in a house, one on Zoom. One on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then this year we are doing one at Capitol Reef. I don't know if I've told you about that one. Mm. You're not going to that one. I'm not going to that one. And then we're doing one on a cruise ship. So this is a week-long event. The Capitol Reef one is almost sold out, Mm -hmm. though depending on when this episode airs, you will still be able to get it. It's end of June, early July, and it is me and Mary Robinette and Katie Coleman, who is an astronaut, down at a field station in Capitol Reef talking about space exploration and astronomy. It's going to be super cool. And the one that we're doing is is us. in September. It's in September. It is on a cruise ship leaving mm-hmm. out of Galveston. If anybody out there wants to go, uh, this is probably the last time that we will ever have Brandon teaching on our writing. Probably. Retreat. I mean, never say is, never. I thought it was the last time you were, thought you were going to do it on a boat. It is quite probably the last time we're ever going to do it on a boat. Yeah. 
I think there's a chance it's on a boat in the future. There's a chance that I go in the future, but my time has been filling up and getting to this one was a real challenge just because of the number of things I need to do. And Mm -hmm. I have been unable to go for a number of years, so I'm coming yeah. back for one last draw because it's the 10th anniversary. And we're very excited to have you. Mm. If anybody out there wants to go, just Google Writing Excuses Retreat 2022, or maybe Adam will put a link to it in mm-hmm. YouTube or something. But before we talk any more about this, okay, I do believe that it is important for context to talk about maple syrup being stolen. Okay. Doesn't that I, seem I, appropriate? It would be more appropriate if it were fish or the top of a mountain. (laughs) Maple syrup. I can't think of any time I've eaten maple syrup with fish on purpose. Yeah, that sounds awful. Mostly because I don't like fish. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose I might like fish with maple syrup better than I like just (laughs) regular fish. Like it without. Yeah. Depends on the uh, proportion of those two things. The big famous food heist. Mm-hmm. The one that got me hooked on the genre. Yes. The great maple syrup heist in Canada from mm-hmm. years and years ago. And there's two things about it that have been in the news in like the past couple of weeks. Ooh. Okay. So number one, Canada's top court upheld the ruling, mm-hmm. which is $9 million fine, Canadian, for the man convicted of stealing it. This was the largest maple syrup heist In history, it was July of 2012, Mm. and it was 3.4 million liters of syrup stolen. So not only is it amazing, not only is it delightful because maple syrup is hilarious. Right. It's also, I think, the largest food heist I am aware of. Mm, By Uh, by money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, by money and and I think by sheer volume. 3.4 million liters. Do we know of any that have been bigger than that? I don't track these things, Dan. I didn't know of any food heist before we started this podcast, so I'm going to say no. No. I mean, the Red Bull's got to be close. Yeah. Red Bull, I don't think Red Bull was 3.4 million liters. I don't know, 300 semi-trucks. 300 pallets, which was about 12 semi-trucks. Okay. This is way, way over that. Mm. How did one, like... How did they steal it? Yeah. It was super awesome. What they did is at night and at various times they would sneak into the warehouse where it was stored in barrels and they would siphon it out and replace it with water. So the barrels still had the same weight. As far as anyone was concerned, nothing was being taken out of of the warehouse. And over the course of months, as far as I'm aware, they stole 3.4 million liters of maple syrup by carefully siphoning it out. Now, here's the other bit of awesome news. Mm -hmm. If you want to learn more about this, Amazon Prime Video has licensed it and is producing a movie about the Great Maple Syrup Heist. Okay, that just actually made this kind of legit. (laughs) So that's... That's Um, amusing to me. Big executive producer on the project is Jamie Lee Curtis. I assume that means that she's in it. Maybe. As the main woman involved, whose name I think is Ruth. Have you read her books? Jamie Lee Curtis? No, I have not. They're quite good. She writes books? Yeah. I did not know that. They're picture books. We had them all when my kids were of the age, and Mm. they were quite high quality and well-written. So, thumbs up to Jamie Lee Curtis. 
Good job, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, so according to Amazon, Mm -hmm. the series revolves around, quote, Ruth Clark, a tough, supremely competent, middle-aged Canadian maple syrup farmer who's had it with being hemmed in by the polite, bureaucratic conventions native to her country's identity. (laughs) I mean, can't you see... Can't you see Jamie Lee Curtis killing that role? That yes. sounds fantastic. And she's uh, like, she the screw heister? this. I, I... Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the original news stories about it mm-hmm. that I read absolutely implied that she was involved at some level. But okay. as we have just learned from the news story, it's a dude who got the okay. full brunt of the thing. And it may be that Ruth Clark was involved. I don't actually I don't know. know who Ruth Clark is. Is she the person that got stolen from? Like, that's what I'm asking. Who is this person in real life? Yeah, she is involved with it. With I mean, the help of Remy Bouchard, okay. a pint sized local blockhead, Amazon's words, not mine, mm. and an aging Mike Byrne, a low level mobster. Ruth changes her fate and transforms the future of her community with the theft of millions of dollars worth of maple syrup. So it's painting the thieves as the protagonists. Yeah. So it's like Definitely, great train robbery yeah. sort of stuff. Doing, doing this from their point of view, Okay. which makes this a crime caper, mm-hmm. probably more so than a heist story, Yeah. to whatever extent those granular definitions are valuable. But yeah, whether that is Jamie Lee Curtis like in that role or she's just involved as a producer... Mm-hmm. Big ups to her for bringing this story to the masses. Yes, they deserve to know <laughs> what we have known now yes. for a good year as we have mm-hmm. explored Dan's food heist uh, fascination. Yes. I will never grow tired of food heists. Oh, speaking of which. Oh, no. Speaking of, this is going to bring us back around to conferences okay. and conventions. At Dragonsteel this mm-hmm. November, Yes, I've talked to Kara... Mm-hmm. And I am trying to get on the schedule a food heist role-playing game live that I'll be running okay. with some friends. Possibly, so mm-hmm. I talked to a friend of mine named Dax, mm-hmm. and he had this brilliant idea of doing it as Mistborn, but they're Mistborn bears who are stealing the honey shard. <laughs> I'm, I'm baffled by this. Um, it's a Brandon Sanderson themed food heist. You should be stealing salt then. Is salt a food? Oh man. Boy, I don't know. What's the definition of food? Mm-hmm. Is gum food? Mark right. Rosewater? Is gum food and is salt, salt food? Salt provides nutrients, but not any calories. No does calories. Does a food have to provide calories? I mean, if it does, then. Plenty of drinks are no, no longer foods. Is um, watery food? Is water its own subcategory or its own category separate from food? I don't know. We always say food and water, right? Food and water. Yes. You need to have food and water. Yep. Boy, I don't know. Mm. I think in the terms of thing, it depends on how narrow we want to get. If food is the category of things you need to consume in order to survive, yes. then I think salt is absolutely in there, right? Okay. Because- isn't sodium like vital to the proper functioning of our bodies? I believe that it is. Yeah. There's an argument there. Where where do you lie on this? You know, this got big on the internet. I don't want to do too much on it because it's a meme, but where do you lie on the is a hot dog a sandwich argument? Hot dog hot dog's a taco. Clearly. Hot dog's a taco. Okay. Yeah. Is a taco a sandwich? A taco is not a sandwich. Okay. 
Sandwich is two separate pieces of carbohydrates. It's got to be separate. Okay. Taco and hot dog, et cetera, pita. That's a single okay. piece of carbohydrate that has stuff. That's a, that's a good argument. I'll accept I that I one. I don't know if that's... Yeah. 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 Is cereal a soup? Is cereal a soup? Yes. Assuming you eat it with milk. I don't know. I would say no okay. because you don't cook it. So soup has to be cooked. I well, bet we can find some soups that aren't. Right? Like yeah. if soup does not have to be cooked, if soup yeah. is just any liquid that has a solid in it, uh-huh. then any random puddle that you find on the street is now suddenly ah. leaf soup, right? It, the leaf is not food. <laughs> leaves aren't food for us. Well, sure, we eat leaf. leaves all the time. Depends on the leaf. You can't go chomp down on the maple tree. I mean, you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think, think you'll gain anything. I don't from think it. you. It's mostly so. cellulose. Mm-hmm. Foods, you know, by definition, once it becomes garbage, it's no longer food. Okay. Right. Even though it's the same stuff. Same stuff. No longer food. So a puddle is not food either way. A puddle. Okay. So, in that case, yeah, I think I'm probably going to err on the side of in order to become soup, it has to be cooked. It has to be cooked. I'm confident saying that. I can't think of any soups that have not been at some point cooked. Cooked, right? Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure that there are some soups out there. Which chilled cold soups have I eaten? A lot of them are cooked and then chilled. You do have that argument. But you could argue that the milk has been cooked and the cereal has been cooked. And then both have been chilled. pasteurized. Yes. Okay, so if... Some liquid that has been cooked and then chilled is a soup. Yes. That means jello is a soup. Jello is a non Newtonian solid. I don't know what jello is. <laughs> it's, it's liquid and you cook it, and sometimes you put solids into it, and uh, then no, you no, have no. to chill it. Now, because a cake is not a soup. If it's something is liquid and then you cook it and it solidifies, it stops being a soup. Any sufficiently Fatty soup will solidify in your fridge. Just mm-hmm. most of the time, we heat them back up before we eat them, and with Jello, and then they we don't. become soup again. Yeah, well, so the Jello's mean, not a soup. Does that mean that cold, like split pea soup, is Jello until such time as it gets reheated to eat? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm fine with that. <laughs> as long as we're, as long as we're defining something poorly, I'm happy. <laughs> 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 so we're writers, <laughs> and we're supposed the, to be good with words. By the barest definition. <laughs> because we're taking people. We were going to talk about writing retreats today. Yeah, let's talk about writing retreats. First writing retreat we ever went to was the one in Texas, right? Is that the first one you and I went to together? Well, and now, now we're getting back into genre definitions. Is a writing conference a writing retreat? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good... Because the first one you and I went together was World Fantasy. And we did not write is, at that I one. wouldn't even call yeah. it a writing conference. It's more yeah. of a fiction conference. More of a, yeah, industry yeah. conference. It's, it's industry. Yeah. It is writers getting together. Yeah. But for there, the most part, they did not talk about writing. I don't know if that has changed. There are a decent number of writing panels, I feel, at... Even back in the day? Even back in the day, I think. Huh. Um, I know that Worldcon has started to do a lot more than they used to. I haven't been to World Fantasy for a long time, though. So the cruise is it. Would you say half retreat, half conference, or all conference? Well, for the sake of definitions, let's Mm -hmm. define this. 
is a writing retreat, a place where you go in order to get some peaceful time and write. Yes. Whereas a writing conference is a place where you go in order to get some classes and or instruction in how to write. Mm-hmm. In that case, the writing retreat that we run, and let's be clear, this is you and me, Mary Robinette Kowal and Howard Taylor. Yes. That is the core group of writing excuses, and we are the ones that run the writing excuses retreats. It is about, I was going to say half and half, but that's absolutely untrue, because like the one we did last year, um, I taught one two to three hour class every day. Mm-hmm. There were two sessions of breakout chapter critiques and then the rest of it was all some combination of free writing time and or you were on a cruise ship and hey look there's a hot tub right what about this one where's the balance gonna be this one i think that it's gonna be about the same thing we're gonna have one writing class every day Mm -hmm. most of those i think you're teaching Okay. But we haven't actually talked about this mm-hmm. in any great detail yet. Yeah, We are going to have a couple of sessions of, we want to record some Writing Excuses podcast episodes while we're there. And we want to do some breakout sessions that you, if you are teaching, will not be involved with the breakouts. Right. And so the breakout teachers are going to be me, Howard, Mary Robinette, and then Dongwon Song and Margaret Dunlap. Dongwon is a really fantastic agent. Margaret is a TV writer who is super awesome. So, yeah. Now, this is not writing excuses, this podcast. This so one is not. We're not going to talk about, you know, the usefulness of writing retreats. We're going to talk <laughs> about the goofy stuff that you and I have experienced and like what they feel like to us, right? Like this mm-hmm. is this is a shoot the breeze podcast, not a teach you how to write. And we will occasionally yeah. stray into- We yeah. do. When we did the big industry focused one where we talked yeah. about your Kickstarter yeah. and kind of the publishing industry, people loved that one. But you know, Behind that's a subset of people. Yeah. And, and we want to make sure that while we occasionally do a really writing focused one or business focused one, most of them are us just yakking about Jello soup. <laughs> you didn't answer. Do you think cereal's a soup? I think cereal's a soup. You think cereal's yeah. a soup, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think a soup is anything where you are intending to get the liquid and the solid together, right? Like them separate is not as interesting to you as them together at one, at once. And so I think cereal is a soup. Cereal's a soup. Just a breakfast soup. Okay. Yeah. Is there a meaningful distinction between soup and stew? Other um, than you've cooked stew longer, so it's yeah. thicker? I think a stew is a subset of soup. Okay. It's a type of soup. So in the the phylogenetic mm-hmm. tree, yes. we have soup, which mm-hmm. subdivides into you know very brothy soups, very stewy soups, yeah. very cold cereally soups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that include hot cereal? Like a bowl of cream of wheat? Bowl of cream of wheat is moving away from soup. It's in that no man's land where it's, you know, like, I don't think a bowl of pasta is a soup. Okay. Even with a very runny sauce. Hmm. And so there's like this, this no man's land where you're moving into away from soup into something else. You can have a soupy bowl of pasta, which is like, this bowl of pasta is way too close to that line for me. See, that implies then mm-hmm. that it might hinge on which ingredient is the base and what are you adding to it? If it's mm-hmm. pasta that you put sauce over, 
Right. You could presumably put enough sauce over the top of it that it is then pasta swimming in sauce. Yes. But it's still a pasta dish, primarily not a sauce dish. Right. So cereal. Well, a better. Does that fall into the same category? No, because that you it want is them a both. solid, and then you just pour milk over the top of it. No, I think it's still a soup. Okay. I think it, I think it is. That's just what it is to me, because minestrone is when you cross the line into soup from pasta. Minestrone. Yes, because it that's, usually has pasta in it. That's the hybrid. Yeah. No, that's a soup. Okay. It's just that's just the soup version of uh, of a pasta dish. Okay. The soupiest pasta. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. When you when the line, the line is a very thick minestrone turning into a spaghetti with very thin sauce on it. Okay. What about tapioca pudding? Ooh, tapioca. Tapioca is a pasta. Yeah. And then you turn it into this weird solid sort of. It's in the no man's land. It's in the pudding no man's land. Okay. So it's pudding is its own thing, right? Uh, like rice pudding, not a uh, not a soup. Not a soup. Nope. Not a pasta. Nope. Man. It's a pudding. It's a pudding. Yeah. In fact, Jello's a pudding. I That's do believe that it was the ancient Greek, you know, biologists who said that pudding just arises naturally out of mud, like toads. Out of mud? I think pudding arises out of sitting an empty bowl sitting in the back of your fridge. It just if you put an empty bowl in yes. your fridge, it will spontaneously grow its own pudding. Eventually, when you're cleaning your fridge, you're like, "Is this pudding?" That's because that, okay, yeah, it grew naturally over time. Awesome, just formed there, spontaneous generation. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, have you been to other writing retreats aside from the ones that we run? I've never been to a writing retreat other than the ones that the that ones you that we run. So it depends on what you count. Is one person going somewhere by themselves? Is that a writing retreat? When I go to Hawaii and mm-hmm. take my family with the express intent that I'm getting a hotel by the beach because I like to watch the ocean while I write and I'm spending a week writing, is that a writing retreat? I'm not changing much about my daily activities except I'm doing it in Hawaii. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think that a writing retreat implies some level of official group activity. Because Dave would call a writing treat, our mentor, when he was just like, I need to get a book done. And he would fly to a hotel somewhere, usually not somewhere very exciting because he didn't want to be distracted. And Mm -hmm. he would spend a couple weeks in the hotel room finishing his book and fly home. And he called that a writing retreat. That's a writing retreat. For him. Okay. He's retreating from his normal life and focusing on the writing. That absolutely makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So maybe it can be a solo, a solo thing can be a writing retreat. It does not require other people involved. Then I have been to then other writing been retreats. To many others, but they're all your own. They're all my own. Okay. They um, are the leave me alone so I can write, and I'm going to do it in a place where I yeah. enjoy the scenery. It's very good of you to take your family with you mm. on those. Because if I want to get work done, yeah. I could not take my family with me. You do have 17 children. I do, at least. At least. Yeah. It's hard to keep track. Most of my children exist in a state of quantum indeterminacy. Yes. And Mm -hmm. they are between two and four children each at any given moment. Yeah. I mean, I have seen them where I swear that, you know, Lincoln has been on two sides of the room at once. Yeah. So, if not four sides of the room. Lincoln is is absolutely, you know, 
mm-hmm. on the upper end of that how yeah. many children are you spectrum. Yep. So thing is, my kids, um, like I have this different, how shall I say, most of my writer friends had kids before they became professional writers. Mm-hmm. I have always, as far as my kids know, been a professional writer. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I met Emily after I'd sold Elantris, right? It was published. And so my kids do a better job than most I've known at respecting the boundaries between my writing time and my not writing time because they never had to get used to anything else. It's not yeah. that they are, you know, so wonderful or well-raised that they they just, this is how their life has always been. Dad mm-hmm. is always in the bedroom writing during these hours and we don't interrupt him. Yeah, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So they know. And so going to Hawaii, they, you know, they do kid stuff. They go swim. And <laughs> I mean, they're old enough now that mm-hmm. basically you can be like, where are they? Oh, they're somewhere and it's safe-ish it's relatively safe i mean we don't do that in hawaii because there is surf and things yeah. like that mm-hmm. but on like a cruise ship when we took them on the cruise ship we could be like all right okay. goodbye there's kid activities yeah go do them or not um, yeah just don't jump overboard or Man, hurt anyone the, the time that we took your and mm-hmm. my kids when they were like both yeah. eight or both nine or whatever mm-hmm. those little dirt bags just refused to participate in any cruise activities they wanted to play minecraft together yeah on laptops and that is all they wanted to do the whole time yeah they found the ice cream dispenser yes which was just 24 hours cranking out soft serve ice cream they figured out where they could get free french fries yep and then that's all they minecraft that's that's a it's a minecraft retreat for them (laughs) they don't get enough minecraft in their everyday lives Going on a retreat to catch up on Minecraft. Well, it's whatever sometimes it you really need to finish a big build that you're working on. Yes. And it's worth it for an eight-year-old to yes. do it on a cruise ship mm-hmm. away from other distractions. Yeah. I still don't know if anyone's coming with me on mine, on this one. On this one? Yeah. <laughs> because I seem to recall like us talking about it. I'm like, oh, get me the big room. You're like, how big a room? I'm like, I don't know, a big room-ish. Because mm-hmm. I thought I might have someone with me, and I think you went and got me the biggest room. Well, we didn't get you the biggest okay, room. That's good I can't to remember hear. what room we got you actually, because it turns yeah. out I don't need a big room because I don't think. Well, and it, we might have, we might have knocked you down to just like a balcony room, which would be perfect. Which would be good. Yes. Not one of the balconies where because the rest of the instructors, yes. like Dongwon and Mary mm-hmm. Robinette and I, we always get three balcony rooms in a row yes. and take down the walls between the balconies so we just mm. have a giant shared balcony. Right. I can't imagine you would want that. Nope. <laughs> we were talking about this. I learned that I don't want to be on a writing retreat generally with other people mm-hmm. because like a lot of writers, writing is so solitary mm-hmm. that – Having once in a while something where you've got somebody else around that you can talk to and bounce ideas off or even just talk about what's going on after your writing sessions or things, that that is something that a lot of writers crave. Yeah. And they love writing retreats for that reason. I do not want that. <laughs> I am Well, you you have already structured your yes. entire life and career yes. in a certain way that is working. Mm-hmm. Working a little too well, perhaps, because you keep writing extra books. And so you don't need that kind of yeah. thing because you already have what you need. And so a retreat is purely disruptive mm-hmm. unless it's one that I have 
scheduled for myself to just be in a place where I want to write. I do enjoy hanging out with my friends. And so I had to change my mindset to enjoy doing these because it's like, I'm not going to get work done. The mm -hmm. first few, I thought I was going to get work done. And they were really frustrating for me then because yeah. there were so many other distractions that I got much less work done than I would just at home have done mm -hmm. on my own. And that was, that was kind of frustrating. And then I changed my mindset to, I am here as a teacher. This is a conference for me. This is not a writing retreat. And yeah. that helped. Well, and that's the thing is from our end, this mm -hmm. one in particular, because we run it, I have to think of it as a conference and not as a retreat because yeah. I'm not getting any free time mm -hmm. out of it. And I am a little more energized by people yeah. than you are. Mm -hmm. And so I can spend my week just kind of interacting with people and, and mm -hmm. not getting any work done and be pretty happy the whole time. So, Yeah, that's one of the odd things. If I'm not getting writing done, my happiness goes down. If I don't feel like I'm making progress on whatever project I'm working on, then yeah. I'm not going to have a good time. My wife often talks about this, that I don't enjoy vacations. I can get less done. Like if I schedule yeah. a thing and I'm like, oh, well, I'm on vacation with my family. I'm not getting as much writing done. If I don't get any, then I will be discontent. Yeah. Well, and I understand that. I feel a similar way, but on a much different scale. Yeah. Like I just today, da -da 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 -da, I finished the dark one first draft, that manuscript. Hooray. Huzzah. Which means typically that I will take a couple of days off in between projects so I can kind of recharge the batteries yeah. and, you know, acquire a new target and make sure I'm aiming at it correctly before I dive yeah. in and do another thing. If that period goes on for more than one or two days, mm -hmm. I will actually start to fall into what I have come to recognize as a very depressive spiral. Mm. But that is a couple of days, you know, right? which is very different from, you know, I've just had a day with only two hours of writing instead of nine or yeah. whatever it is. So what do you think about mm -hmm. the proliferation of writing instruction in our industry. Because I think it has really, since the time you and I were trying to break in, yeah, there have always been writing conferences, Clarion and things like that. But it seems to have grown drastically over the last, let's say, 15 years. And we're certainly a part of that with writing excuses. Yep. But like, what are your thoughts there? There's so many more writing conferences and writing podcasts and writing things now than there used to be. I think it is a natural outgrowth of the social media era mm -hmm. and of the indie publishing era. You're the one that pointed out that, what, 2012, more books yep. were published that year than the history of mankind, yes. humankind. Mm -hmm. And So there's a lot more people who want to learn this stuff. There's a lot more people that want to learn it. The tools are there for you to be able to learn it remotely. Mm -hmm. And more people are writing. So even if you have to travel, there are more people wanting to travel to these things. Yeah. I think that education about, how should we say, popular art topics has grown in prestige and maybe only a little, but still has, <laughs> and in execution, meaning people are better at it than yeah. they used to be. In the days before 
people were publishing six books a year on Amazon mm-hmm. in the, what's the group, the 20 to 50K? 20 books to 50K. 20 books to 50K. Before that whole crowd, of which I have enormous respect, existed, the idea of this lone writer off in the woods imagining something and needing no business sense or writing instruction could remain this myth. And as we've gotten to know each other, write more, the community has grown, we've all come to understand better what writing education can and can't do. And yeah. there are good places for it. And like, I mean, you and I, I often bring up the class I took from Dave. Yeah. I had years of writing education in the university that was not very effective for me. Did not help very much. Mm-hmm. And this is this is no slight upon the professors. They just didn't know how the system was set up for creating people who were supposed to go off and be that lone writer, doing a throw and living in their friend's backyard and things like that. And then Dave came in and said, all right, here's how you construct a plot. Mm -hmm. Here's how you make a sympathetic character. Here's what a contract looks like. And I spent that class in a perpetual state of my jaw drop to the floor, just being like, he, this is what I needed. He was the first person. This mm-hmm. was when we were, what, like 21, yeah. 22 years mm-hmm. old. He was the first person in my entire life that had ever not only told me that it was possible to make a living as an artist, but yeah. how to make a living as an artist. Because we don't typically teach that in any kind of standard educational system. So yep. you're right. In that sense, it does make a lot of sense that that would be a, a popular thing in alternative forms of education. And I think we've gotten better and better at it. I think Mm -hmm. writing education has improved. So there's that. I also think there is, particularly in the early 2000s, and I'm sorry, I want to hear what you think on this too. Sorry. But (laughs) you you opened a can of worms here. Early 2000s, there was this, as the social media boom happened, authors needed to have an angle in order to Mm self-promote. This was very big particularly back then. It's like, what are you talking about on your blog and on your social media that is of interest to people other than your books? Because if your social media feed is, here's how to get my books. I'm sure you guys have <laughs> subscribed to someone's you know, Twitter yeah. feed that's like, yeah. every six hours, a bot post, you know, buy my new book. Then you either start ignoring or mm-hmm. unsubscribe to that social media feed. And so there's, what can you talk about that's interesting? Writers all share an expertise. Yeah. Writing. It's an easy jump to let's talk about it. Let's talk about how to do it. I think that that need for an angle is still there. Mm-hmm. What we're starting to see now is, I won't say fewer writers are talking about writing because I think that's still proliferating wildly, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of societal, cultural and lifestyle angles. Like here, yeah. I am part of this small group that you might not know much about read my blog or follow my Twitter feed and you can learn about it. Also, please buy my book. I'm thinking maybe I should go full on Instagram personality slash influencer. Become an influencer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I already have the name, Be Money, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking people really want to hear about my lifestyle of sitting in a chair and typing for eight hours a day. I think it's it's really exciting. You know, if you made a full-on influencer parody Instagram account where you dressed as B-Money and then posted the most mundane, (laughs) pathetic pictures of you doing nothing. Right. 
Yeah. Here's me with my posse getting ready for, you know, quite the exciting day. And then it's like me and like And your bird sitting on your shoulder. No, the, the bird can't sit on my shoulder. He'll distract me from no, riding. That's true. Yeah. 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 So so he he's gotta be he's gotta be in his aviary. And so then like yeah. seventeen yeah. hashtags, rider life. Yeah. And then it's just like eight pictures that day of me in the exact same pose mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing. Yeah. With different captions every time. Different captions, yeah. Just wrote a killer action scene, but it's the same photo of you just staring at a laptop. (laughs) Adam, (laughs) he's liking this idea. (laughs) That's perfect. That's pretty good. I'm on board with this idea. I like that. We talked about, didn't we, the attempts to get a reality show starring writers going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. And there was just no way to make make writing look interesting. Mm -hmm. At the same time... One of the things that surprised me when I sold my first book, which was like a year and a half, two years after you sold yours, maybe it was three years. Anyway, I asked you, like, what should I be ready for? Mm-hmm. And the main thing you told me was that, you know, when you sell that first book, you think you're getting into that writer life where you're going to spend your whole time writing. Really, half or less of your time is spent writing, and the rest of it is you're running a business. Yeah. You have to focus on all of this other stuff, whether that's promotion or marketing or contracts or taxes or whatever it is. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you could still take the same really boring photos, but it's you looking at, you know, an email from your accountant instead of looking at a word processor. But I did have this very false image in my head of like, you know, the writer in a coffee shop yeah. with a beret. Ooh. Just writing Ooh. on the side of the River Seine. Should I be wearing a beret? Man. And a black turtleneck. Yeah. To like here. Mm. Yeah. And mm. no, that's, that's, not what it's, that's not what we do. No, it's not. I wish that's what we did. That's my goal in life is to be so successful I never have to interact with people again. I get to do that, what you just described, <laughs> one week every two years or so. Well, When I get to go on the writing retreat. Mm-hmm. And Teach that's... a class a day, and then lock yourself in a room and write. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Do you get Do you get seasick? I do not get seasick, or at least I haven't before. Doesn't mean that I won't, but I won't on a cruise, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. I've been on an actual boat in <laughs> rough waters, and I didn't get seasick then. But who knows, right? Okay. Yeah, the boat you can rarely even tell. At least I can't. Yeah. That you're on one. No, there's just this like. Depends on the size of the ship, but there's this kind of gentle, soft rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually quite soothing. Yeah. How's that, Ben? 